starring Bela Day in... But, Ma, that's my favorite movie. Oh, well, all right. But don't you spend too much time in front of that TV. Do you hear me? Yes, Ma. Hello. I am your host, Bela Day, and welcome to my podcast, But Ma, That's My Favorite Movie. We will discuss all kinds of movies, and since there are so many to choose from, every episode will either be a fun theme based on a subject, for example, But Ma, That's My Favorite Kid in a Movie, or we will analyze one particular movie. We will also play trivia games and have conversations about creative topics related to film. I'll even have some guests join me along the way. So grab your popcorn, take a seat, and let the show begin. Hello, everybody. This is your host, Bela Day, and welcome back to my podcast, but Ma, that's my favorite movie. And we are definitely in for a treat today as everything is possibly starting to open up. Things are maybe getting back a little normal, probably not. I know most people are still indoors, still trying to protect themselves from what's going on outside. But anyway, we are going to talk about some movies and the subject we got today i could not wait to do this episode because in this episode we are going to take it back way back when i keep thinking that the 90s was only like 10 years ago um it's damn near 30 years ago (laughs) To shout out to all the 1990s babies. Um, you're um, Actually, you are there. Holy crap. Yep, they are. So if you're born in 1990, you are 30 years old. Because um, I always think 30 years back was the 70s for some odd reason. And I don't think I'm the only one that still thinks that. But anywho, this episode is titled, But Ma, That's My Favorite Party Movie. So we're going to be talking about the movies that are centered around some sort of house party that teenage kids will be partaking in. And before we get into the actual movies that we're going to be discussing, I wanted to just talk briefly about the classic house party. So first off, house parties used to be the shiznit. I don't even know if people use that anymore, but they used to be off the chain. Okay, I'm a, you know, I was younger in the early 2000s and that used to be the thing, you know, off the chain. But anywho, so house parties used to actually be good and it used to be about having fun. It wasn't about, you know, people fighting people. It wasn't about being on your phone. It was about genuinely having a good time, hanging out with your friends, listening to music and dancing. That is what a lot of like social places where you drink or clubs, no one dances like they used to. Because the stories I've even heard from my mom in the 90s was everyone would be on the dance floor dancing you know there well there wasn't a cell phone uh, mobile phones like that and people did have them they were pretty rare in like the late 90s because I think cell phones originally started where 
it was for people of business. Just like I think the concept of internet was like for business. And then they started putting it into the homes. And then they started putting cell phones into the hands of people where you could have it mobile instead of just having a house phone. But anywho, house parties used to be the jam. And they used to be fun. And I really wish I was a part of the era that got to experience that. To be invited to a true house party. Now don't get me wrong. When I was younger, I had... I was around the uh, the time where they did have dances. They used to have dances at this recreation center that wasn't that far from um, where I used to live. And we used to have dances at school and stuff. And then there used to also be little like teen clubs and stuff. I think one was called like Venice Beach, but it got shut down because I think someone started shooting allegedly. And... I remember going to the rec centers. Everyone used to be on the dance floor because at that time, kids didn't really, even if you did have a cell phone, it wasn't like how they are today where you have all these different apps and you can text like that. And it was just a lot different. So I do remember a little bit where I did get to experience that type of environment. And I remember when I used to go out with my little friends, like we were in elementary school and I thought I was too cute. I remember I used to try to emulate. We took this one dance picture. And I remember it was when I was elementary. And I still have this picture. And if any, if anybody remembers, like if, you know, if you were born in the 90s, every mama has that picture with like the, tr it's like a tree in the back. And then it's like this uh, woven, it's like this wooden chair that has like, this half circle arch like the the back of the chair is like pretty high up and it's like a half circle and everybody's mama is like sitting in that chair with a 90s hairdo they 90s outfit you know looking cute and I remember my mom has a picture like that and I, I call myself trying to pose like trying to emulate that that's why I, like the way I posed in that picture and the way we all looked like that's how I remember seeing similar pictures with adults and I remember I tried to copy that. So yeah, I used to have a pretty good time when we used to go to the dances and it was all about fun. It wasn't about who you didn't like. It wasn't about, like I said before, being on your phone. It was just all a good time. And I never remember going to the rec or going to a school dance and having any issues. It was just literally everyone having fun. And then also maybe seeing your crush there and being able to dance with them or just hanging out with your girls, you know, just just a really good time. And I, I am glad I did get to experience that aspect. And I know as I got older, it really just turned into not as much of like house parties, but more on the gathering side. So it was just like gatherings and we're like drinking together, but no one likes sitting up there just dancing the whole time. And yeah, I know with time, things change, you know, the way people party, the way people go to bars, the way people drive, the way people have, you know, the activities and, and the, um, you know, just everything evolves over time. And I do understand that aspect, but that was really one. Many great things came from the 90s, but that was one of them was just like the club scene and stuff, which today I can't see in clubs I became as an adult more of a bar goer I would go to the bar drink sit down chill that was my vibe well yeah because I really don't really go out to bars like that anymore but that was more of my vibe but 
the club scene, mm-mm, y'all can have that. I just, I just, I don't know. I just, it just never spoke to me. It wasn't as fun as it sounded like when my mom used to go. And I think that's probably where most of the disappointment came from. So I said, oh yeah, you're good. You know, I don't, I don't need none of that. All right. So let's get into our first movie that we're going to be talking about today. Oh, I'm the weird one? You're the one calling Barry Manilow from a phone booth at 2 a.m. This movie we're gonna be talking about is Can't Hardly Wait. This is a really fun movie and I remember seeing it because they put it on Netflix and I remember seeing it on there and I kind of was like, did I ever watch that movie? I don't really remember it that much. And then when I watched it again, all the memories came back. I said, oh my gosh, this is the movie. Oh my God, yeah, I definitely remember this movie. So this movie starts off where we see a graduation class. And as you know, you're supposed to be paying attention to the principal or uh, the superintendent doing the speech about the class graduating or whatever and everybody is talking to each other whispering to each other like did you hear about this party did you hear about this party did you hear about this party and then also in the midst of it and people are gossiping about the popular girl in school whose name is amanda who is no longer with the popular guy mike and so everyone's just kind of gossiping about the party and about this couple. And then we end up landing on the main character in the movie, which his name is Preston Myers. And he finds out that Amanda is no longer with Mike and he gets really excited. And what we learn is that Preston has had a crush on Amanda since the first time that she arrived at the school. So literally all four years, that nothing ever happened. He never confessed her love. He never really talked to her. They had like very small moments that of course, when you have a crush on someone, you definitely read into it a lot more. But he feels like they had these little moments and so he's just been liking her since he laid eyes on her. And he hears about it and he goes, oh my gosh, that's crazy, they broke up. This is possibly my chance to finally tell her how I feel. So he finds out about the party as well. And you can assume that the most popular girl is gonna be at the most talked about party. So he figures I'll go to this party. This will be my chance to confess my love. And then we also get introduced to these other main players in the story. And we have uh, William who is like the nerd and he hangs out with the nerd, two other nerds. And basically his whole thing is he got humiliated, I think like in elementary or just whenever they were younger by Mike. And mind you, Mike is the one who broke up with Amanda and he got humiliated by him and he is wanting his revenge. So he's gonna go to this party to get his revenge. So to kind of go back a little bit, the true basis of what's going on in the movie is everyone is has a certain agenda at this party. So, to, okay, so to get back to what I was saying, um, then we have Kenny, Kenny Fisher, who is, <laughs> it's like, I wanna be politically correct. Um, he is, 
I mean, what you would call like a wigger. Um, I don't want to say he acts ethnic because what is acting ethnic or what is acting black, you know? But that's the best way I can describe it. He 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 has like this black scent in the movie, which looking at it now is kind of problematic. But back then, you know, of course, people didn't like reading the stuff or whatever. But he his main goal going to this party is like, you know, I've gone four years in high school and I have not gotten laid. So this big party is going to be me getting laid because ultimately most of them plan to go to college. And so they want to have some type of experience, like sexual experience or relationship experience. Well, not really relationship, but just having that sexual experience before you get to college. So then when you go and you're dealing with girls there, they're not going to be like, wow, you've like not lost your virginity yet. You know, that's how people think when you come out of high school. I think some people think like that. But anywho, um, let's see. And those are like the main people other than we have Preston, his one of his best friends that he actually dated when they were like in middle school for like a week. She she just is kind of like one of the black I just like the black sheep, you know, she stays to herself. There's no particular group that she fits into. And her name is Denise, and she is just traveling, not traveling, but she's she is by her friend's side, just listening to him, trying to be the the voice of reasoning. So like when he's going through his mind of, you know, how much I like this girl and how I know it's meant to be, and she's that that she's at the ground level to be like, okay, guys, she never really talked to you before. Yes, she may have broke up with. Or Mike broke up with her, but that doesn't mean she's going to want you. And so everyone in this party has their own agendas. They're trying to accomplish their goals. And Preston, pretty much the whole at, while he's at the party, is just trying to figure out... Because he has this letter. He has this letter that he wrote for her a long time ago. And apparently he's revised it, revised it, revised it over and over and over. Wrote it so many different times. And... He figured the best way for him to explain how he feels is to just have this letter, have her read it. And so throughout the party, he is trying to figure out how to give her this letter. And she's also dealing with, well, Amanda, the one that he likes, she is also going through the motions of just being broken up with. And everyone is like after her. So since they found out that Mike and her are no longer together, Everybody thinks, oh, it's time to ask her out. It's time to try to make out with her. It's time to have sex with her. And it's that's pretty much everyone was kind of treating her like this object, like, oh, you're this beautiful girl. Let me try to claim you. But not like in a sincere or genuine relationship, but hey, let's just let's just do it, you know? And she shows that she wants more than that. That of course it hurts that she had to break up, but at the same time, she's like, I don't want to get with someone who just sees me as an object like I'm just not gonna go with the first guy just because he says I'm pretty because everyone's intentions that come up to her are not the best and Preston is the one that actually likes her like he's genuinely liked her all four years so yeah I mean that's just I mean I don't want to give away the end of the movie because if someone is interested in watching this movie I would rather you see the ending for yourself now I am open to the idea of giving away the endings of movies if the listeners, aka you, 
say, hey, yeah, spoiler ending. I don't care. I actually would want to know because I'm not going to watch the freaking movie anyways. But if you are interested in hearing the endings, let me know because my thought process of just not giving it away. So moving on. The cast that we are dealing with in this movie is pretty phenomenal because we have so many different actors that are leading men and women in movies and it's quite ridiculous how many stars are in this movie and these were stars before they became stars these were you didn't know if these were going to be stars in this movie and there's just so many familiar faces and people that we know from a lot of movies in the 90s so we're looking at Jennifer Love Hewitt who played Amanda we have um and Jennifer Love Hewitt she's played in so many she was a heartthrob in the 90s okay everyone knows who Jennifer Love Hewitt is then we have Ethan Emery. Um, he played in Empire Records. And he's played in other movies as well. And I remember he just looked so, like, geeky. And I used to think he was so cute. I mean, I still think he was cute. And then we have Peter Fincinelli. Uh, or Fincinelli. <laughs> and he actually, what surprised me is he played Dr. Carlisle and Twilight the dad and I was like wait he was in this movie and then he you know grew up and was playing dads which you know most characters they play the teens and then they play the adults and they get older of course but it still kind of blew my mind we also have Seth Green which a lot of people know him from the Austin Power series and he was really popular in the 90s I'm not sure what happened to him I, you know what even though we don't see a lot of actors that don't mean that they're not doing anything sometimes they just go behind the camera instead of being in front of it. We have Sean Patrick Thomas. Oh, <laughs> he played in, he played the love interest or like the, the yeah, the love interest in Save the Last Dance. If everyone, you should know that movie with Julia Stiles, okay? Everybody knew that that movie Save the Last Dance. That was a cute movie. He was also in Halloween Resurrection and in Barbershop. So yeah, he played in some movies. And what I thought was really cool was Donald Faison and Brecken Meyer were in this movie together. They have, he didn't have a huge part, but they had one uh, scene together where, they, well, they're supposed to be this band that, I mean, literally this band <laughs> had every intention of playing music at this party, but never played any music at the party. And uh, Donald Faison, he played in Clueless. He was also on the hit TV show Scrubs. And uh, Breckenmeyer was in Clueless with Donald as well. So I thought that dynamic was cool as well. Because they played friends in both movies. So that was awesome. Then we have Jamie Presley. She played a movie called Ringmaster. I think that was the first movie I ever seen her in. And it was a spinoff of the Jerry Springer show because everybody remember Jerry Springer and how scandalous and taboo and how raunchy that show used to be and it was about people like getting onto the show and I think their stories were like all intertwining because you know stuff a bunch of stuff was happening we have Tamala Jones that that's the black dress okay she played in booty call blue streak next Friday she's been in all them black movies okay then we have Clea Duvall, which she wasn't a huge main player, but she was popular in the 90s. She played in The Faculty. She played in But Ma. Not But Ma. See, I'm stuck on this title. She played in But I'm a Cheerleader. 
We also have Selma Blair. She didn't have a huge part either. Her part was pretty small, but she was in Hellboy. And she currently got diagnosed, I think, with multiple sclerosis. Do not get me wrong. I, I know she got diagnosed with something that's kind of hindering her ability um, to be able to, like, uh, be in control of her muscles and her body. Um, which that's very sad to hear. And I, I definitely hope, you know, I hope that things do get better for her and she gets to get back to doing film or whatever it is that she loves to do currently. We also have Melissa Joan Hart, who everyone knows her as Sabrina in the series Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which was super popular on TV. And I believe she also played in the show on Nickelodeon, Clarissa Explains It All. So, yes, we, we all know who Melissa is. And let's see. Oh, we also have Jason Siegel. He was in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And then we have like a small cameo scene by Jerry O'Connell. So to get into some trivia about the movie, this was Jason Segel's film debut. So, you know, we see him as the funny guy in all these different movies he's been in, but this was actually his first movie. And then this was actually the first and last on-screen appearance since Hook for the actor who plays William because he was attending the school MIT when he was offered this role. So I'm guessing instead of continuing acting, he decided to go in a different direction, which is perfectly cool. Um, but this movie will forever live on. Now, the main actor, Ethan, he said he barely remembers filming this movie because he was so stoned through the whole movie. And this makes me wonder, was he always stoned in his movies? Because he always had this like kind of lost scared puppy looking face and I'm wondering if he just always had that because of his of his being high and please excuse if you hear some heavy breathing in the background it is my boyfriend's dog Coco and she is knocked out and she's in dreamland but anyway Melissa Joan Hart this movie was her film debut Though she was already well known for her TV work, aka Sabrina Teenage Witch, <laughs> she this was her first movie that she'd ever been in. And uh, Breckenmeyer had ended up marrying the co-director, co-writer, Deborah. So they were married from 2001 to 2014. And I did forget to mention at the beginning, but this movie came out June 12th, 1998. And it was directed by... Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan and they both wrote and directed this movie and one of the known pictures I'm going old school with that though one of the one picture I knew that they did direct and write together the most notable one was Josie and the Pussycats which that is one I want to rewatch again and hopefully talk about that one in a later episode all right so let's get into the next movie that we will be talking about today ah oh. I should have known you was at this party. And you know, with all that Jerry Crow juice you got in your hair, you better not ever do a crime. The police won't have any problem finding you. Follow the drip. Follow the drip. And that is the famous quote from the Robin Harris in the movie House Potse. This movie came out March 9th, 1990. 
And this movie, it, it requires no introduction because this was just a great, great classic movie that I grew up in, grew up on. I grew up on it. My mom showed me this movie and it's still a movie I love to watch till this day. So in this movie, we're dealing with the stars Kid and Play, who were a rap group, I believe 80s, possibly 90s, maybe a little bit before then. And they star in this movie, which they couldn't have gotten a more perfect casting. But we have Kid, who is oh, I would say like we have you know kid who's more of the geeky one and we have play who's more of the player so I mean it's like their names are kind of perfect for each other right so we have kid who who gets into this fight with these bullies at school and the bullies are actually played by full force and so during the fight, well, actually what happens is they're in the cafeteria. We have Kid, we have Play, and we have Bilal. Bilal who's played by Martin Lawrence. And then they're having their conversation, you know, doing what they do. And Play says, hey, my family, you know, my family's going out of town. We're about to have a party. And he wants Bilal to DJ for him. And of course, you know, kids is friends, so he gonna be there. And then, you know, they end up mentioning the two popular girls in schools that they really like, which is Sydney and Shireen. And at one point, kid is trying to take food off of Bilal's plate, and Bilal's like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, I ain't fin, I ain't having it." And so, kid gets up because he's like, "Okay, I'll go get whatever I'm trying to get." And when he gets up and he scoots his chair back, he ends up hitting. Well, he, I guess, he didn't realize he was sitting behind the bully so he's a bump into his chair when he bumps into the bully his milk ends up pouring like he he's has in the hand has it in his hand ends up pouring on him and so kids like oh my god oh my god i'll, I'll uh replace it. i'll replace it and so he gets up he ends up running into shireen and sydney and then he's talking to him about the party like seeing if they're gonna go and they look like they're kind of mesmerized about him like they look like they both like him and so they have their little conversation or whatever. And then it pretty much concludes like he kind of convinces them to come to the party. And so once the girls are leaving and he's backing up because he's kind of celebrating like, ooh, they're going to actually go to the party. And he ends up bumping into the bullies. And so they end up, they exchange words with him. And they end up talking about his mom, which talking about his mom is a sensitive subject for him because his mom has passed away because it's just him and his dad. And so he throws some jello at him. Well, at first they grab him and he's like, <laughs> stop, you're wrinkling my school clothes. And then they're like, oh, we're wrinkling his school clothes. <laughs> and so he ends up like throwing jello at him. And then they're like, oh, okay, that gave us a reason to really go in on him. So then they get into this fight. They get sent to the principal's office. And then, of course, the principal's like, I get what you're saying about your mom, but you still can't be fighting in school. You know, same for the other guy. You can't just be fighting people. And so she lets him know, hey, you know, you're off the hook right now, but we do have to inform your dad about the fight. Now, keep in mind, he doesn't want his dad to know about the fight. One, because he wants to go to this party. And, and that's pretty much it. He wants to go to the party. And if his dad knows about the fight, he is going to get very upset. And he's going to ground him. So once he goes home, 
his dad, you know, is trying to talk to him and stuff. And Kid's just, like, really paranoid because he's just like, you know, have you got any letter? Have you got any calls? And, <laughs> oh, because <laughs> the one scene where when he goes home, he's talking to his dad. They're sitting at the kitchen table. And he asked his dad about the mail. He was like, oh, yeah, have we gotten the mail? And he's like, yeah, it was nothing but bills. You want to pay one? Um, because, you know, Robin Harris, he is so hilarious. It was like he said things where he was – it was – like his comedy sounded serious, but what he said was funny. And it was just perfect comedic timing timing that Robin Harris did. Like he was just there's no one like him. He was just so hilarious. And he was actually perfect in this movie as well. And so basically, you know, Kid is just trying to figure out a way to avoid the whole his dad hearing about the situation and still being able to go to the party. But, of course, it's inevitable. His dad ends up uh, seeing that a letter is co comes through the, uh, drop through the door. He, and, you know, kid tries to hurry up and get it and try to, like, you know, kind of get rid of it before his dad sees it. But his dad sees him get it. He asks for it. He sees it. Then he gets on to kid, like, why are you fighting at school? Kid's basically like, he was, you know, they said something about my mother. And he's just, the dad's like, well, pops. He's like, you can't be fighting everybody just because they say something about your mom. Like, you have to get to a point where that should not be a trigger for you. But that is pretty sensitive for a kid to lose their mom. You don't ever, even when your parents are alive, you don't want no one talking about them. But especially when they're dead, you definitely don't want them talking about them. So, I mean, I understand where he was coming from. And I don't think that should have been something that he should have got in trouble about, you know. I, I don't know. But anywho, so his dad's like, you're grounded. You ain't going nowhere period because let me go back a little bit his dad did say he could go to the party because his dad was trying to get him to watch dolomite and it all comes full circle for me because i never knew who dolomite was until the biopic of um dolomite came out on netflix and so when he talks about this movie and i rewatched it, i said oh that's dolomite so that i thought that was pretty cool but yeah originally pops wanted to just sit and watch movies with him but kid was like hey can i go to a party so he was gonna let him but with everything happening he said yeah he said i don't care if marvin gay is gonna be there you won't and so he grounds him so of course kid he's a kid and he's like i gotta go to that party because the two finest girls are gonna be there and it's gonna be hot so he ends up sneaking out the house and he goes on this adventure one trying to just get to the party and then two once he gets to the party you know just dealing with everything that's going on while they're there this is a super super fun movie this was a movie that just kind of takes you back to that time and it's very classic because it's riding off of the late 80s and that vibe, but then getting into the new era of the 90s. So it, the music is so good in this movie. The, the one-liners are so good. The cast is so good. I feel as though this movie holds its own weight after all of this time so 30 years later this movie still holds a holds a lot of weight and i still enjoy it to this day and this movie was actually directed by reginald hudlin and he is actually a director of tv shows like he's done like when i was looking at his resume he did a bunch of tv shows like everybody hates chris bernie mac a new series that came out called black money on hbo now, I don't know if he directed every episode of these or if it was just some, but he mostly, his 
like I feel like his claim to fame is most of the TV shows. Now the cast that we got here, of course we have Kid played by Christopher Reed, play play played by Christopher Martin. We have Robin Harris. He and he, you know, there's no introduction for him. He's a great comedian, great actor. He also played in Do the Right Thing. Martin Lawrence, uh, who plays Belial in this movie. And of course, we know Martin Lawrence from the famous Martin show, which is one of the greatest shows, in my opinion. Tisha Campbell. Tisha Campbell Martin, who also played Gina in Martin as well. We have A.J. Johnson, the beautiful A.J. Johnson. To this day, she just she is just so beautiful. And she played in the movie Baby Boy. We have Kelly Jo Minter. And she played in People Under the Stairs. If you've never seen that movie, please check that out. And that will be one that I'll talk about later on for sure. We have Clifton Powell. Um, he played in Next Friday, Men's to Society. He is... A, how we say a black dress he, he's definitely in black Hollywood because he's played in so many movies and he is such a good actor and then we have Daryl Mitchell uh who he's also played in Thin Line Between Love and Hate and he was on a bunch of like he did a bunch of roles walk on roles on TV shows John Witherspoon R.I.P you know he played Pops I believe in the Waynes Brothers played in all of the Friday movies and then we have uh, Anthony Johnson, who played uh, Ezel in Friday. He played in The Players Club, another funny comedian, which I have no idea where he's went, why he's not doing anything, but he was just so, so funny. And then we had a cameo from the George Clinton, the Atomic Dog. Yes, honey. If you know that, that's definitely a throwback. So to get into some trivia, we have Robin Harris and John Witherspoon. We have Robin Harris and John Witherspoon. They actually improvised most of their lines. So that's pretty typical for comedians. I don't think John Witherspoon, he was more of an actor comedian than like a stand-up, but still, that's a normal thing for um, comedians to do is to improvise their lines in film because normally when they improvise them that's the most funniest material now during the party at play's house all of the dance sequences were done with no music how interesting aj johnson choreographed her and tisha campbell martin's routine for the battle the toe touch and kicks were actually signature moves for kid and play they had became very popular as backup dancers for Salt and Pepper using these in more acrobatic stunts. And then the music was actually added after the dancing had been shot. Okay, how creative is that? That you can come up with some moves with no music. See, that? See, that's talent. That is definitely some talent right there. House Party was originally written for DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, AKA DJ Jazzy Jeff and Will Smith. This happened because New Line Cinema won a lawsuit against them due to their song, A Nightmare on My Street. And that song is actually pretty cute. I listened to that, listened to that during Halloween uh, last year. But anyway, so one of the conditions of that uh, lawsuit were that they had to appear in a New Line film. And director Reginald Hudland refused to cast him in the movie based on that term. Now, that makes me curious. If that was a part of the term, though, how can he just say... No, but I guess if New Line 
made that term up then they can amend it as well and just be like okay well we really want this director so if he doesn't want them just because of that term and he probably felt like they wouldn't give it their all but imagine what house party would have been with will smith and dj jazzy jeff hmm alternate universe i wonder what that would look like <laughs> Um, this was actually the final film released before the death of Robin Harris, who died nine days after the movie was released. However, it was not his last one as he appeared in Mo Better Blues, which came out in the 90s as well. And it was released approximately five months after he died. Okay. Uh, this is actually considered a cult classic, of course. It should just be a classic. That's just my opinion. Um, it highlighted the golden age of hip hop music when its culture was centered around parties, fun, and consensual affairs rather than drugs, violence, and misogyny that came after its predominance in the early to mid 90s. Reginald Hudlin actually had a cameo as one of the two burglars that chased the dog in the movie. And John Witherspoon and B.B. Drake also played husband and wife in the movie Boomerang, released in 1992. And see, I forgot to talk about B.B. Drake, okay? B.B. Drake, she's another funny one, and she's played in a bunch of movies. And that is all I got for this movie. And, you know, I actually have this idea that, because I love this movie, and it just has such a good feel and good vibe to it that I, I did feel really inspired by this and also about stories that my mom has told me as well. So this is a little sneak a peek at which I hope I am able to sit down and write it. But I, I did want to write a film based, not based. I wanted to write a film inspired by this movie. So wish me luck on that. And I hope everyone was able to sit back and get a good vibe from this episode, have a little laugh, a little fun listening to it, and hopefully got to reminisce with me as well. And that is all I got. I hope y'all have a great rest of your day. And I will talk to you later.